It's the LGBT Chat Podcast, a space for LGBTQ friends and allies to share personal stories, current events, and life endeavors. Hosted by Aida Ramirez. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the LGBT Chat Podcast with uh, myself, Aida, and Angel joining us. And we have a special guest, author, blogger, podcast drama. Yeah. Jiggy, yeah. Um, <laughs> multi talented New Yorker in the house tonight. And every time I start this intro, I'm like, I'm not going to say, hey, guys, because like, I feel like that's not like culturally appropriate anymore. Right. Like, right. I've gotten in trouble for that too. But right. it's so generational. Like if you when you grow up saying something. So I mean, I'm not saying that we shouldn't evolve past that. We should, but it's just so in the vernacular, you know, it's yeah, it's crazy. So welcome. I love y'all. I like the y'all. Yeah. Y'all, yeah. Me too. I love yeah, y'all. I like the y'all. I also, like just like a a, a babes. That because I feel like when uh-huh. I y'all, it's not convincing because I I'm like half British, half like New York Jew. And I just feel like it, it sounds really forced when I do a, y'all. So it, like when I dress my um, readers and articles now, I just call them babes. I'm like, okay. I babe. like that. <laughs> yeah, because that's like both feminine, masculine or right. anything in between. Right. right. <laughs> um, so welcome to the show again. And um, so I was mentioning before that I logged into your website and it gave me like all these cool vibes. Um, I felt like I was in a happy place. I was like, Ooh, party mimosas tonight. Um, all day, every day. And it kind of brought me back a little bit to like the, like I thought of the, um, the intro to the L word a little bit, like the flashing lights and like all that stuff. Um, although I can't relate to that show anymore. It was like, not like a real thing. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so welcome to the show. You have this podcast, um, your storytelling. Are you narrating um, from your book or? So basically, um, just to give you a little backstory, I have been a writer professionally for publications for 10 years. I got my first job was at Elite Daily. I was the senior sex and dating writer. And, um, but before I started writing, in fact, like writing was something I never knew I could do. I kind of weirdly fell into it, but before that, my passion was always acting. And, um, that's like my number one, my first love. So what's been really cool about doing the audio drama is that it's merging both of these loves. And it's not something I even thought of until my book came out a year ago. It's called Girl Stop Passing Out in Your Makeup, The Bad Girl's Guide to Getting Your Shit Together. I feel like I've heard of that. Yeah. Oh, that would be, uh, that's awesome. I will, I'm, I sent you guys some. So you'll, you guys, see, I'm like the worst. Um, <laughs> I sent <laughs> you babes some in the mail, a copy in the mail of, of my uh, book. But um, yeah, I, I loved writing a book, but I had so much fun performing it when I got the audiobook deal. And I was like, you know, this, this could be something. So I think that's when the the seed got planted. And then here we are. And now we've got, now she's got an audio drama acting out all the parts and doing the whole thing. Angel, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to hear it yet. Um, have you? 
I have not. I but besides Instagram, I've checked out her Instagram and I hear like the little snippets. Her, she's right there. Very. <laughs> it sounds very um interesting. Like I would definitely be a fan because I'm all into like the reality TV world kind of right, thing. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think it kind of aligns. Yeah. Right. Right. But, yeah. Lots of personalities and storylines and different personalities splashing up against each other. So. And it's so like, um, cause when I think of audiobooks, I think I'm going to fall asleep on a wheel. Right? right. But it was so different. Like you give sound effects, you, I was listening to like, you were complaining about the air conditioning breaking down and you actually hear the air conditioning breaking down right. and you can actually like imagine it, you know, you can actually like, it's like, you're there, you're seeing something as opposed to just listening to someone, um, telling a story, which is actually pretty, it's a talent. It's a talent. That is, that's music to my ears because what, one of the big inspirations of this was that after writing a book, a lot of my audience and friends even were saying like, you know, we love, we, we, we want to support you. We love your writing, but a book feels overwhelming to us. And an audiobook can seem also daunting. So I'm like, how can I bring the book? Like, how can I mix the literary world with the episodic TV world and bring it to life and make it more three-dimensional. So that's why we really worked hard on, and my wife actually does all the sound. Um, we worked hard on making the sound effects, like doing whatever we could do to bring the words to life as much as possible and make you feel like you're there. So hearing that is like, Oh, thank you. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound fake. It doesn't sound like, um, over dramatic. It right, sounds like right. it, it goes really well. It's really well timed, um, and I'm no expert. This is just my opinion. No, honestly, I enjoyed this it. Is great feedback. So thank you so much. Um, I, I think I also like enjoyed your. Um, you put like, you can see the characters without like without you having to change your voice very much. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Right, right. I didn't want to get into an overly sort of cartoonish thing. I think that that can happen. There's a few like accents I sort of tweak, but I think that you can get across a change of a character without changing your voice. It's just the shift of, of yeah. energy, you know, exactly. the, rhythm, the things they say, the way they say it, what's going on in their brain is different. So it's going to hopefully if I'm doing my job correctly, come out different. So, yeah. So what, obviously you just shared with us why, uh, what was the motivation behind it? Um, what prompted, uh, like what finally gave you like the idea to get started? Honestly, I, I mean, this is one of those ideas that came so fast and you know how you get, I mean, you, you guys are like creative people. So you get an idea and like a lot of creative ideas, you just sort of let go. And then some you follow through on, you know, and you're mm -hmm. like, all of a sudden you're sitting here, you have a podcast or you have whatever, a blog. So this is one of those ideas that I was on a, well, actually it started. So I was with um, a couple of my friends on Long Island and we were with this one girl who just came out and is moving to New York city. And she's dating a friend of mine. And she was asking us about, you know, our world in New York City. And we were telling her all these stories about these characters we know in the queer community in New York City. And I noticed as I was telling her these stories that like, what's so cool about our community is that most of our paths would never have crossed if it wasn't for these gay bars that we all go to. Yeah. 
You know, it like brings people from all different walks of life. We've nothing in common except for this one thing. So you end up making these connections with people completely outside of your world. And it expands your worldview so much and it expands your life. And you end up having friends of like, I have friends that are in their seventies and I have friends that are 20, you know, because we all still go, you know, to Cubby or Stonewall or wherever, you know? So I, I, as I was explaining it, I started thinking about it. And then I, I went to Florida to see my parents and I got on the plane and I just wrote the first, I've never written fiction in my life. I've been writing like memoir stuff forever. And this whole fictional story came out about this lesbian bar called Dolly's that's on Jane street, which is why it's called girls on Jane. And this character like Jack, who's, you know, sick of these entitled millennials. And, you know, these, these characters just like, there was no planning. It just kind of poured out of me. And I was showing it to my wife and my creative partner, Dana. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell to do with this. I don't, fiction isn't something I do. I don't know if I want to write this as a book because a, a book it's, it's very frustrating. A book deal from the time you pitch it to the time it's made, it's like two years. And for someone like me, who's used to working on the internet and writing and putting things out quickly, by the time it's out, I don't even feel connected to it anymore because I created a really quick pace. So like, I just don't want to go through that. I also don't want to give all my money away because by the time you're done with agents and publishers, you really are left with nothing. So I'm like, what can I do? And then I thought, okay, maybe I'll make it just like a column, a fictional column. That's how Sex and the City started. If you love or hate the show, no one can deny that it wasn't a wild success. And it started as a fictional column in the New York Observer that people loved. Then it became a movie and then a book. And I thought, what if I just like try that business model? And then I got further into it and I'm like, what if it's an audio? Like, what if it's like I acted out and people can listen to it. So that way people can't say, oh, I don't have time to read. They can listen to it on their commute. Like make it really palatable for people in our generation to consume and make it bite-sized. So it's not one huge book you have to worry about reading at once and leave it cliffhangery and make it episodic and have a trailer. So the next thing I know, I had all these ideas and yeah. then here we are. And if you're in New York or you know that you don't have time for reading a book anymore, I have so many books I've started and I can't finish them. And it's like, you know, you're doing 5,000 things during the day. You probably have two or three jobs if you're living in New York to sustain. Um, so, so yeah, that, what a creative idea. I, it also kind of like, well, I moved to Nevada, but it kind of brought me back and it reminded me of like why I miss it so much and why I would never go back. Um, Right, right. right. I'm not trying to make New York look perfect. Like these girls and New York, like it's, I love it, but like any lover, it's a complicated, you know, so, you know. And these bars, they're like, they're such a community and it's hard to explain to people why, um, why like, why not just, why not just go to any other bar? why go to a lesbian bar? It's, it's because it's a community. You get a sense of like, even if you don't know anyone there, you're, right. you're like amongst your own, you know, right. I don't know. It's, right. a, it's a weird feeling I can't explain, but funny story at hens. Um, and it happened twice where I was like waiting for my friend, my friend never showed up. And then there's this like drunk girl next to me. And she's like, blah, 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 blah. She wanted to like exchange phone numbers. And I'm like, I don't have time for that drama. Um, like I just wanted to have a drink with my friend. Right. Right. And, um, she's like, 
she was like correcting me on how to say her name. Um, and I'm by like, I'm Spang, I speak Spanglish. Like my, <laughs> I, I think in Spanish and I try to translate everything. It doesn't come out right all the time. Point was, she's like, it's Carrie, not Carrie. And I'm like, who cares? I'm right. never going to call you. Right. <laughs> so we're, um, we're having a barbecue, like my ex and I, and, um, she's like, oh, can you meet my, my friend who's coming over? It was actually her ex. Um, and they they can't find their, their way to where we are from the parking lot. And she was like managing the, the grill. <laughs> and I'm, as I'm walking over, I'm like, oh, this is stupid. Carrie, Carrie, Carrie was her ex. And I'm like, what a oh. small world. And it happened twice. Right. Only in New York city thing. Right. That kind of thing does happen in New York. It's like New York feels like a small town, I think. Um, I used to live in LA and I don't know if Nevada is like this, but because things are so spread out, like I didn't run into people unless it was like going to a party with a specific group of people. Okay. Maybe I'll run into so-and-so, but just walking down the street, I never even walked down the street. I would drive park, go to my place, get back in my car, drive. And in New York, it's like, you're in these little neighborhoods and you run into people on the street. All the, like, I'm nervous half the time. Yeah. <laughs> my dating track record over the past 10 years. I'm like, ah, oh, no, <laughs> please. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but I think that's what I like about New York, that sense of a community that you get to build these relationships with people that have like otherwise no connection to you. Um, like the grocery store guy. And I don't know, yeah. the same woman you run against running to your 705 train. Um, right. Right. So it's pretty there's cool. Just, there's something for um, everyone, I think in New York and because it's so diverse, you're, you, you're bound to find something like they have the Chinatown or like yeah. they, they like make these little nicknames for different areas, you know? And I just think that's so cute. And that's what makes New York, New York. Yeah, those little little communities. There's a community and a space for everyone. Um, there is a place in Manhattan. I don't know if you know, Angel. It's called Litchi. Have you guys ever heard of it? I've heard of it. It's where Little Italy meets Chinatown, and it's literally a corner of like Soho. <laughs> They've got it. Like every little corner of New York City has it. It's like getting a name. Somebody was like, I, I lived in Washington Heights for a while. And somebody was like, I, where do you live? I'm like, I'm in the Heights. They're like, what Heights? And I'm like, are there other Heights? Like there's just Washington. They're like, oh, there's Jackson Heights. I'm like, nobody refers to Jackson Heights. Right, right. You know, it's like Brooklyn Heights, the Heights. Like unless right. they're an asshole. <laughs> I had a friend tell me they lived in, um, they lived on the Upper West Side. And I'm like, you live on 145th Street. That's called <laughs> Harlem. <laughs> My friend the other day, he said to me that he lives in West Hollywood adjacent. I was like, that's not a, like in, in, in California. I'm like, that's not what West Hollywood adjacent. Like, where do you live? That's a, there's no name of that. He was like trying to make it sound fancy. I'm like, well, no. <laughs> but I love that, like that glimpse that I got um, from like that 15 minutes of just listening to your, what do we call it? Was it? uh audio drama audio drama yeah <laughs> those 15 minutes just brought me back and it took me to so many places that's it's so wonderful um I can't wait to go back and listen to the other episodes prior to that one I wish I would have started from the beginning now because now I kind of right. like know what's going on with some of the other characters right 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 but yeah um I'm I'm having so much fun writing it because I feel like and this surprises me, I get to be so much more honest about 
my life experiences than I've ever been able to be with memoir because you just, even though I'm very open and I've, I've written about my sex life, I've written about heartbreaks, I've written about addiction and depression and shame. Like I've really written, gone there with these topics that a lot of people find to be taboo, but with fiction, it's like a whole other level of realness because you don't have that anxiety about worrying about hurting someone else, you know, or even exposing something about your family, like all this stuff. Now that I get a little bit older, I'm more conscious of that. And that matters more to me. And with the fiction, I'm really able to talk about these people. And one thing that was so important to me was that I don't want to present them as heroes. And I think there's pressure in the LGBTQ community to sometimes present ourselves as heroes to the outer world because it it makes so much sense. It's like when you're part of a community that's discriminated against and that people hate, you want to sort of protect them and be like, we're really good people. Don't say that about us. But I also find that that is a creative, creatively draining and also doesn't serve us because we're still letting bigotry inform the art we make. Right. So I don't want to do that anymore. And I I made a pact to myself when I did this. So, you know, these characters screw up a lot. They, a lot of them are dealing with addictions and mental health issues. A lot, some of them cheat, you know, and I'm, I'm saying from the beginning to everyone, like, don't expect these people to be role models. They're not. And I think that that like, that's been so freeing. It's been so freeing. Yeah. I think nobody talks about like all the issues and the trauma and the, the mental health you know, drama that we go through, um, that a lot of us, a lot of us go through, um, from being closeted for, you know, dozens of years and, um, right. you know, to anything, uh, we're just as flawed as anyone else. So to, um, to make it sound otherwise, is just not, you know, not okay. Um, I can't stop looking at that picture behind you, um, on your left. Is that like George Washington with a wig? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I am, I'm actually my, my mom's house right now. And he has, there's, there's actually like five of them next to each other. This is a British designer from my mom was in fashion in her youth. Uh, It's a British designer from the seventies named Zandra Rhodes Rhodes. And she was like, I guess like a really hot designer in London back then. So she's got all these pictures uh, of her and like dressed in a lot of them, like in wigs and like, uh, all the, right. It does I'm look like, like George Washington, but it's actually I'm a like, British. Like, <laughs> is that Jesus Christ with a wig? <laughs> she was really avant-garde, like eighties style. So yeah, it's cool. I like it. I get made fun of as a child for, for these posters in my room, but now I think they're cool as most things that you get, get made fun of as a child, you later realize are like, yeah, it's kind of cool. Angel, do you have any teenage regrets? Teenage regrets. Like wall teenage regrets. I used to have Jonathan Taylor Thomas behind my wall. Oh my, uh, my, my my wall was filled with high school musical stuff. Oh, I love the that. posters. Zach Efron, Gabriella. That's not I mean, even embarrassing. I just was fascinated with them. My wall was all nine inch nails and it's like very like angsty baby dyke. It was all nine inch nails. Um song lyrics that I would I would like write on the wall in pen and like get grounded like every other day and then pictures of Angelina Jolie and Gia and pictures of Bjork I'm like if anyone was surprised at which way this 
story ended, like just look at my stage, <laughs> all Angelina Jolie, like pouting and Gia. I like, love it. <laughs> so how many more chapters, episodes are you planning on doing on this? Or is it like a long-term commitment? This is, I am, I am a big dreamer and thinker and uh I plan on writing this out so the every season is going to have 12 episodes so okay. we're in episode so right now we're in the summer season so there's a lot of fire island a lot of that stuff happening um and then it's going to you know each each season will be 12 but I'd like to take this re- as far as I can I mean the ultimate goal would be to either develop it into a television series or do some kind of deal with like a, a podcast network and have it, you know, go on as that. So that's so cool. But I'm in this for the long haul. Like I feel for the first time, like I really found my thing in this fiction audio drama. It just kind of scratches every itch I've had creatively. And uh I also think that audio is the future. You know, I I podcasts are so big. I also have a podcast I do um with my friend Dana that's kind of a mental we say it's not a mental health podcast. It's a mental illness podcast. So it's not like wellness tips. It's it deep gotcha. dives into the, the gory and the funny and the dark and all that. Um, but I just, I, I see that because I think that audio really respects the listener's time where, like you said, we're so busy and to be able to multitask is really important. And I know for me, like I can't clean my house anymore without listening to a podcast, you know, I can't put makeup on without listening to a podcast. I can't cook because I just, I love it. I love having that stimulation. So I think audio is the way to go. What, uh, what's the name of your other podcast? It's called girls interrupted. Okay. Girls with very like, fitting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just realized the other day, I'm like everything I like the, the big three projects of my life outside of internet writing all have the word girl in the title. So like, maybe I need to bring that up in therapy, but yeah, girls interrupted, girls stop passing out your makeup and girls on Jane. I'm seeing a theme. Angel, you were saying, um, what were you saying about Zara before we got started? You're like, I like her. I loved her the way she came on. I said, you're so pretty. And I was just like, oh my God, you're just your energy. When you first got on, it was just like, let's do this. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you. You have amazing energy, both of you. And I feel so comfortable talking with you. I feel like I'm just hanging out with friends, which I have done so many podcasts, especially when my book came out. And it's amazing how like cold some hosts can be. You're like, this is what, isn't this your job? Like, don't you want to try and connect? And there's like nothing, no one's home, you know? And I I think uh, that's why, so we've been doing this for about six years and I I stopped for a while because I noticed that I noticed that I wasn't engaging. I wasn't like present and I'm like, this isn't fun anymore. Um, Right. And I forgot what we were talking about before about being conscious about the things you say and and respectful of other people's feelings and whatnot. Um, I had to go back and like delete a couple of episodes because I'm like, she didn't have said that. Um, That was not okay for my, you know, my guest to say or right. uh, so many other reasons. Um, and Angel, we were actually discussing this last week. We got like a, a two-star review from somebody that said we were biphobic. And I'm like, that was the guest that was making comments. Right. I, I, I can't, you know, he, it was his opinion. 
he had a feeling and I don't think we ever brought it up in the podcast again, but um, he was stating that he didn't, as a gay man, he didn't, he couldn't understand how a, a man could be bisexual, right. how he could be attracted to men and also <laughs> attracted to women and, and like how it wasn't genuine that it, there was no way that was true or possible. I'm like, that's your opinion. You know, like, I can't tell you what to believe or what not to believe, but these are their lives, you know? Um, so this person got very offended and they left us a two-star review. So um, that episode's gone. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's it's really tough because, you know, especially with guests and things like that, like you want you want people to speak their truth. And their truth might be sometimes the truth, unfortunately, is problematic, yeah. you know, and someone isn't there in their journey yet. But I also find as a listener, like I find those moments the most educational because it makes me realize like not everybody is as open minded as my group is. And even people exactly. in the gay community aren't all open mind. Like there's a lot of transphobia and biphobia and all this stuff. Especially and from our own community, right? That's so shocking. That's interesting to me. Yeah. I dealt with that a lot. I used to be um, the executive editor of Go Magazine, which is a lesbian New York based magazine. And I came from mainstream media to gay media thinking, silly me. I was like, oh, after mainstream media and all the trolls and like the men that would just write me comments, like die slut, like literally like that all the time. Wow. I was like, this is going to be, this is going to be so easy. You know, my community is so loving and open-minded. This is going to be easy. And I was in for a rude awakening because within the first week I was really confronted with a lot of transphobia from people in the lesbian community that were upset that I highlighted a trans woman who's a lesbian. Like I profiled her that wow. was me. And like all these th and biphobia and infighting. Okay. Wow. All right. Here we are. Didn't realize, you know. I think especially in the LGBT community, people have to be a little bit more mindful of the fact right. that not everyone is as educated just because they're in the community. I, I know people who are in the community, get, they identify as gay or lesbian, whatever it may be. And they don't know like in, the ins and the outs of the community. It's so much. And I just think as long as we stand our ground and we represent who we're representing, I feel like everyone comes to the table representing a group of people. As long as you do that and you stay true to who you are, I really don't think it's anybody's the ball is in anyone's court to judge because it's okay. how you authentically feel and what how you authentically feel is how you feel and nobody can say anything about it. I I never understood that. Like, um, you can't tell me how to feel. Right. You can't tell anyone how to feel. And I find the, the thing I find tricky with what with with that, what you said is so perfect and spot on. And yeah. not everyone like I think the key word is not everyone is as educated. That's the other thing. Some people, some people are just assholes and like, screw them. <laughs> some people, and they're just bigoted, came out of the womb, chip on their, I don't know what happened like in utero, but they're, <laughs> they got a chip on their shoulder. But I think there's a difference between people that just haven't been educated. And that's a problem I see in our community is the judgment against those people. And you get these people that are like, you know, I'm for social justice and da, 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 da. And yet, unless you have like 20 master's degrees in gender studies, 
they're going to come at you for using the wrong word or the wrong term. And then what happens is then those people shut down instead of, instead of educating themselves, they shut down because when anyone comes at you like that, it makes you feel like shit and it makes you feel small. And you're like, never mind, I'm going to back away rather than learn more. And I think right. there needs to be a level of patience, especially, and I think it, like a lot of it speaks to privilege. Like it's very, you're very privileged to be educated and some people didn't have the opportunities that you had. They've just been trying to survive and like make it out alive. So like calm down and try and connect with them before you attack them. Obviously if they're being outwardly hateful, that's a different thing. I'm talking about people who just don't know, you know, you guys are going right. to make me cry. Um, <laughs> but this was me <laughs> in my twenties. Like I was telling my friend before I came out, like, aren't you afraid of like going to hell? Like at my gay friend. And I'm like, First of all, I'm not even religious. Like I didn't like, you know, and it was just something that like we story. had heard. Right? And I right. was just like, he's like, but where does it say that I'm going to hell? And I'm like, on the Bible. He's like, but where? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> this is me at 22 telling like a, right. a good friend, you know, so like ignorance, right? Like we have so many resources these days. I mean, you can speak to a watch, you can speak into your car, right. you can Google, ask Alexa, ask Siri, ask your neighbor, fucking get a newspaper. Like it's everywhere, right? Like there's no excuse to be uneducated. There's no excuse to not be. And I think I posted about this today. I am just so sick and tired of people not caring about things that don't affect them just simply because right. they don't, it doesn't, it doesn't um, trickle down to my little bubble. So I don't care about it, but what about right. your neighbor? What about your cousin's daughter? What about your future generation? Like fucking give a fuck, you know, give a fuck. Right. Give a fuck right. and like really give a fuck. Don't just do it on the internet. Um, I see that so much of people who on the internet, just repost every article and act like these activists. But then when it comes to their day-to-day -day life, like they don't talk to anyone outside of their, their bubble. They do not do anything in real life to support the people that they pretend to advocate for. Like and voting. I, right, exactly. Like that's like a prime example. Right. Something so simple as just like voting. Right, right. Because they're like, well, my life won't change either way. But you know what? A lot of other people's lives are going to be so dramatically affected by the election. So like I, I kept saying during that, I was like, don't vote like your life depends on it. Vote like somebody else's does, you know, because your life might not. That's the truth, you know? Right, right. I kept thinking about during the last election about this girl who had to, a lot of stories, right, that, that came out of the whole thing. But um, people that had to travel to other states um, right. before marriage equality um, to get divorced, to adopt. Um, their marriage was recognized in one place, but not in the other. Um, people that were assaulted, that were sexually assaulted, that couldn't get an abortion or couldn't get proper like right. healthcare in their state. Um, like simple things. Well, those aren't simple things, but like it just goes beyond um, like immigration. Go, yeah. Like so many things like that that affect like it, you just wouldn't you look if like that's one of the things I think that's powerful about New York is that you are sort of shoved up against different kinds of people all the time and I think it's really hard to hate people up close 
So when you're sort of like isolated and you, you're not, you live a life where you're not around people who don't look di dissimilar to you. And you're not around people who might be like living in fear of getting deported or so anything like that or on the streets. So you just kind of block it out. But I think New York, because you're just, whether you want to, even if you're super rich, like you, you have a penthouse uptown, you still are like, hopefully walking in the streets and seeing people. Yeah. And I think it, it does sort of inflate your empathy in an, in an interesting way. I, um, short story. I, I know we're deviating from, oh my, <laughs> from I love it. Podcast. <laughs> but we had, um, I had a, I have a really good close friend who, um, whose car broke down on the, on the highway and she was just in like a panic attack. She, and I'm like, dude, it's just a tire. Like, it's okay. She's like, you don't understand the cops might pass by. Um, and she's here, she's a DACA student and she's like, anything could send me back home. Um, right. the wrong interaction with law enforcement can send me back home. So something as simple as a flat tire affected her mental, you know, state oh, to such nice. degree that, and it's something that like, I couldn't understand but seeing it in her eyes and her voice and her tears, it was so frustrating that we live in that kind of space. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so, it's so intense. And my best, best friend in the world is, um, you know, a DACA and, but, but when I, when we first became friends, he, he, what he was, he was illegal. He was living here illegally. And, you know, one night, a bunch of girls got drunk and he was the only sober one. And he drove and of course got pulled over for something arbitrary that, you know, normally it would just be like, fine, whatever. And then, you know, he was at, in ice in Miami and it was like a huge, luckily he was able to get out, but just wow. being close to his family in that whole situation and really, and we're so close, I mean, we really walk through life together and just seeing the, the stress and the anxiety in all of the members of his family all the time. And just thinking of how many people are a, a flat tire is the end of the world to them. And it's yeah. like, don't judge anyone because you have no idea. And it's the simple privilege that we don't, you know, our privilege, our simplest of privileges that don't let us relate and have empathy towards these people, towards our people, you know, our community. Right. Um, uh, getting back on track. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, this is yeah. also relevant because yeah. even though Girls on Jane is very sexy and has a lot of partying and nightlife, I, I it was important to me to really represent and write about what I've seen and experienced. So all these things are in there. Like immigration is, it was especially coming up is going to be a huge theme with, with one of the characters and like, you know, again, the mental health stuff and issues pertaining to race and past traumas and all that, like it's all connected and, you know, so this is all, it's all very relevant is I guess yeah. that was a long way of saying this is very relevant. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I like that it was sexy, but not too raunchy. It wasn't right. like, right. oh, right. I'm blushing in front of other people kind of thing. Right. Um, it was perfect. Um, and that was only like 20 minutes that I got to hear. So <laughs> I love it. Um, Angel, did you want to add anything? I know you have our quote for today. Um, I just wanted to add that I just love this whole idea of the audio drama. I just think it offers people who, like myself, who I don't, I can, I can't pick up a book and not, not. Well, let me not say I can't because I absolutely could. However, I hate reading. 
Right. So an audio drama would suit me 100 times more. And I think I'm not the only one. And it may not be as simple as someone just hating reading, but just someone who would love to be a part of this, but doesn't want to read. So now you gave, you just created another option for that person. And I just love it. I just love the um, different, what's the word? Like options, but it was a cuter word, but we're going to go with <laughs> options for time. Options, because um, you just never know who you can touch with the different options that cater to their needs. So Thank I so love much. it. That's actually going to make me cry because <laughs> I really, I, I, I think a lot of people would love to read if it wasn't for the reading part, like certain brains and they've done studies on it. Don't process words the same way, you know, especially if you're I, like navigating dyslexia. Me. Like I was diagnosed with ADD as a child. I was the worst student. That's something else I want everyone to know. Like you could have failed out of school and still become a writer because I don't have a high school, like a college degree or anything. I barely graduated high school yeah. and I've been a professional writer for 10 goddamn years. So keep going. Um, but I really wanted to make this accessible to people who maybe their brains don't process words that well, like on a page, but they're going to get so much out of it by listening. We're right. all different learners. So why books in this tight little box? Yeah. I think the box needs to be broken open, you know? Yeah. I love reading, but it's also like, it's a challenge for me. I remember back in like even the fourth grade complaining that I would have to read something over and over and over again in order for me to retain one paragraph because right. I couldn't, I couldn't focus. Um, and it's still the case, but like, if I'm really into it, I can do it, but it's, it's so challenging for so many of us. Um, so are you working on anything else? Anything else we should keep an eye out for? Yeah. Um, well, I have my girls interrupted podcast as well. Uh, we start season two in about a week, but we do have about, we, we finished our first season. We have about 20 episodes up and that's very, that is it. That is one of my favorite things I've ever done. Cause I feel like what was missing in the mental health space was some laughter, like being able to like laugh at these things, like weird side effects to medication. Like that's the only thing that's ever made me feel better <laughs> is being able to sit with my friend Dana and laugh about it. So we're like, you know, let's, let's make this a podcast. So I do that. I've published 3000 articles on the internet. So if people's wow. are very articles, you will find, don't judge me for any of them that are like, more than 10 years old. <laughs> but I was writing on tight deadlines under a lot of pressure. So I'm sure there's some imperfect things in there. But yeah, you can find my um all my my essays and articles and things like that online. Um, but right now, Girls on Jane is my child and she is a consuming, time consuming child as well. So I got my hands full. Yeah. And we can tell that it's time consuming because it's so good, right? Like it, it, it sounds like it's time consuming. I don't know if it really is, but it really um, is. Yeah. And each episode is written like in kind of real time. Like I'm not one might think that I have the entire season already written. No, I'm only at like one episode ahead in the writing process because for me, that's what works is having a tight deadline makes the creativity flow out faster. I don't overthink it. And also I like to hear from the audience. And then that kind of like, we kind of collaborate together. Like, who do you think should hook up? What do you yeah. think about this? And then it, it, it's inspiring. And I love having that like community feel with the audience where they're, I always say like, they're my number one muse. So I want to hear what they have to say before I write too much ahead. 
That's so cool. You know, what's funny? I, um, well, it's not really funny, but <laughs> I, um, I reached out to go magazine, um, a couple of years ago to advertise for, I think it was for my wedding. I was officiating weddings in New York, um, back, well, way back when, when, uh, before the marriage equality, um, act or whatever. I feel like you'd be really good at that. Sorry. And, to and no, it's okay. But I, I had done so many weddings from like couples out of state, out of the country that couldn't get married in like South Carolina or like Texas. I married right. an 82 year old couple from Texas. Um, these two little older, like little lady lesbians. It was the coolest, like <laughs> happiest. I was like, I can't charge you. There's no yeah. way I can't I actually so brought them a gift. <laughs> right. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. So I was trying to advertise for it in New York and at go magazine. And I like the prices are a little ridiculous, but, um, well, if you need a hookup, I'm still <laughs> very good terms with everyone there. So thank you. Um, <laughs> Angel, you have our quote, right? Yes, I do. So the quote today is, everybody has a story. When we don't take the time to know someone's story or worse, create our own version of it, we lose the chance to understand what they need, which is the first step to empathy. And that is by John Acuff. Thank you, I love that. I love that. That's what it's all about. I love that. Thank you. And with that said, um, Sarah, oh, your name reminded me of like, did you ever watch the real L word? I think it was like season two. Yes. One. Yes, of course. Is Sada or right. Sada? What was her name? Yeah. Sada. Your name kind of brought like, me back like, to that. It, it, they, she like put a D in there. So it was Sada. Sada, I think. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> why are they saying Sarah so funny? Like, right. is just Sarah? And then I realized that there was a D in it. Um, right. People say that like my whole life growing up, they'd be like, Sarah. And I'm like, Zara, Sarah, like people couldn't rap. <laughs> and then, you know, my grandmother from the Bronx is like, ah, like never still can't say my name. So <laughs> I um, instantly saw it and thought of the store, how you said earlier. Right. The store. Zara. <laughs> Which fun fact, I lied and told people in the third grade that my parents owned that store when they opened one up in Manhattan. <laughs> Just like the biggest lie I have ever told, but it was kind of convincing. People believed me for about three days until it was like I was outed as a as a liar for like five years. I love so. that store. <laughs> oh my god! Sometimes they have crazy deals. Like I have bought dresses and shirts there for like four bucks. Yeah, um, they're really good deals. I, I can't wait for um, shopping season. Hey, baby girl, um, guys. Um, this has been wonderful. Please come back. I am so excited. You got to take time for us. Thank you so much for having me. Like I said, I feel like I could just talk to you guys for hours. Guys, I, I got I actually really have to work on that. The, the guys thing. <laughs> You're fine. I do it all the time. I um, do it all the time. Um, it doesn't help growing up with like a, like a, like a sort of gruff New York family that just is not PC at all. So you just constantly hearing guys, guys, guys all the time. Um, but yes, it's been so wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, um, yeah, I would love to do, and I can email you about this afterwards, some kind of uh, giveaway of my books with your audience. If you'd like, like and give away like 10 books to audience members or something like that. I'd love to yeah, do that. Guys go comment on, um, her, uh, when was their last post? Um, I mean, it could be your we'll post. sort it out later. Yeah. We'll figure out the details. Yeah. But I'd love 
talking about. It's so refreshing. Sorry to cut you off, but it's so refreshing to have like guests that actually speak more than just a yes and a no, right? (laughs) Like we have people that I have to like push. I'm like, you're promoting your book. Talk right. about it. <laughs> right, right, right. I know a lot of writers are really, really shy. I've noticed. And um, yeah, I, I don't have that problem. I, I, I go over, I talk too much. Like my parents got me a shirt when I was little that said, help, I'm talking and I can't shut up. Uh, like, it's, it, it can be a problem. But anyway, again, thank you. Thank you. And I will connect with, with you via email and I appreciate it so much. You're very welcome guys. We'll hook you guys up with like links and stuff on the show notes and um, until next time, everybody happy trails. Thanks for listening to the LGBT chat. Don't forget to subscribe. And remember, the grass is always greener where you water it. Till next time.